Welcome to Daily Drive. For Tuesday, October 11th, 2022, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Honda makes a massive battery investment in Ohio. A look at GM's latest effort to connect EVs with the power grid. And Nissan takes a bath to get out of Russia. Plus, Amprius thinks its battery technology could be a game changer for both aviation and ground vehicles. We'll hear from the company's CEO and the head of its new investment partner about the company's ambitious plans and what makes its technology unique. Now all of a sudden you have a much more powerful, much more energy dense battery just by changing one component, one layer in that battery, which is just the anode. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Honda says it will spend $3.5 billion to build a battery plant in Ohio with joint venture partner LG Energy Solution. The Japanese automaker also said today that it will spend $700 million to retool three plants in Ohio for EV production. The company says the facilities will create a new U.S. EV hub. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine said today at the announcement that the state expects the investment to create about 2,500 jobs. To Honda and LG Energy Solutions, thank you. Thank you for your trust in Ohio. Thank you for your faith in Ohio. Thank you for your big investment in Ohio. Honda said its total investments with LG in Ohio will ultimately reach $4.4 billion. The investment comes as Honda is developing EVs with General Motors based on GM's Ultium battery technology, but Honda has said that it intends to also develop its own EVs. Meanwhile, that Ultium brand at GM is making its own move to help with the transition to electrification. The automaker unveiled a new business unit today called GM Energy, which offers EV-related products and services for residential and commercial customers. It's an effort to ease the transition to electrification and the demand it will put on the grid. GM Energy will have Ultium Home and Ultium Commercial lines, which share branding with the company's signature battery platform. Combined, the automaker envisions a portfolio of products and services that provide reliability and flexibility at a time when the transportation and energy sectors are increasingly intertwined. The automaker expects all of its GM Energy components to be available by the end of next year. Nissan will hand over its business in Russia to a state-owned entity for one euro. The automaker will take a loss of nearly $700 million. Nissan exits the country months after it was forced to halt production there after Russia invaded Ukraine. The deal will give the automaker the right to buy back the local operations within six years. The deal will include Nissan's car plant and research facilities in St. Petersburg, as well as its sales and marketing center in Moscow. And Michigan auto supplier Instaset Plastics has filed for bankruptcy. It's a bid to buy time until the company's assets can be sold to an injection molding company on the west side of the state. Instaset supplies plastic parts for automakers including GM and Ford. The supplier's revenue has been hollowed out by a host of supply chain problems following several years of financial struggles. Clarion Technologies, based in Holland, Michigan, is expected to buy Instaset's assets before the end of the month. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Honda investing $3.5 billion to build a new battery plant. Is Honda getting serious about EVs? 
at least a little bit, you know, that's a, it's a serious investment to build this battery plant. It's going to take some time to get up to speed. You know, Honda's got these first two vehicles coming with GM. Then they're going to do another generation, presumably some more affordable vehicles. After that, they're really going to get serious when they plan to break off on their own, develop their own vehicles and work toward an all EV lineup by 2040. So it's the beginning of a process. And speaking of batteries coming up, battery company Ampria says it has the most energy-dense commercially available lithium-ion batteries in the world. We'll hear from the company's CEO, as well as the head of the investment company that just went through a SPAC merger with Amprius. That's next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Battery company Amprius hopes to become a big player in multiple industries that are now transitioning to electric battery propulsion. It says it has the most energy-dense lithium-ion batteries that are commercially available. Right now, its batteries are built for the aviation industry, but it says ground vehicles could be next. Amprius recently went through a SPAC merger with Kensington Capital Acquisition Corp. to raise funds for expanding its capacity. Kensington's leadership and board include numerous auto industry veterans, including Dieter Zetsche, Tom Lasorda, and Don Runkel. I recently spoke with Amprius CEO Kang Sun and Kensington Chairman and CEO Justin Miro about the company and its plans. Here's our conversation. Dr. Sun, Justin Miro, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us about Amprius today. Not terribly familiar with the company. It's still a, a new one for me. There are so many exciting new battery startups. Give me your elevator pitch. Explain your technological approach. Tell me about silicon nanowires. Uh, Jamie, today we produce highest energy density batteries in the industry. Our technology is based on 100% silicon anode. Uh, structured as a silicon nanowire. Uh, this unique structure enables us to have uh, not only the energy, also the power, fast charging, and uh, very wide uh, temperature performance. So this product is very unique for electrical transportation. Uh, today, we are focusing on the aviation, but there's no reason we cannot get into ground transportation, even the marine vessels. And, you know, and I'll just add to that a little bit, Jamie, you know, just to highlight what Kang was saying is Kensington, we've always been focused on uh, the biggest megatrends we've seen in the transportation industry and electric mobility is what we view as, as one of the biggest megatrends out there, whether it's in the air or on the ground. There are hundreds of advanced battery companies out there, many of them that are claiming these very impressive uh, energy densities, which could be measured either gravimetrically which is the power per weight, or volumetrically, which is the power per volume. And those are very important characteristics, whether you're putting those batteries in a car or you're putting them on, a, on an airplane, for example. And while everyone out there is making these amazing claims of what they're going to do in two 
three or four years from today, Amperius is the only company that's actually selling those commercial batteries today to commercial customers. That's what got us so excited about the company. So does Amprius have a factory or do you contract out production? How does, how does that work? Uh, we have been in manufacturing since 2016. Yeah, 2016 is the year we built the first production line for silicon nanowire ammo batteries. Uh, 2018, we got the first customer. So we have over four years of manufacturing practice in Fremont, California. So our next step is to scale up this technology. So uh, next step, we like to build the gigawatt-scale manufacturing facility okay, for aviation and possibly a few years later for electrical uh, vehicles. And Jamie, I'd just like to add to that. That's what got us so attracted here to Amprius because the team at Kensington, we're not battery experts at all, but what we're really good at at Kensington is manufacturing things at scale. I mean, our entire team of automotive executives understands the global supply chain, how to build factories, build them at massive scale, which you need, whether it's in the aerospace uh, or in the automotive, and to build that with very, very high quality. So it was a very good fit for you know our team being able to, to help out Dr. Sun and his team. And was that kind of the fundamental aim of the offering was to raise money to fund manufacturing construction? So the, the purpose of the capital raise uh, was to you know, raise capital for the company to build out the business. And there's many different ways that can go. We do have manufacturing capacity in Fremont, California. We did announce publicly that we will build another facility in either Georgia or Texas. Uh, we have not announced either area there. So that'll be that gigawatt facility, but it's also for you know, things like general working capital. But the big difference here is a lot of other companies raise their capital to continue the R&D spend. They're still developing the technology, uh, whereas we have a working battery and many different batteries. The company has multiple SKUs that they currently sell to almost 30, I think more than 30 customers today. We have uh, 10 product offerings, uh, different models designed for different applications, all those for aviation today. Uh, we have over 30 customer engagement today. So uh, as Justin said, you know, our working capital will be heavily used for capacity expansion. We have more customer uh, than our capacity can support today. How much will something like a new giga level manufacturing facility cost? What do you expect to invest in that? We've actually put in some of our public documents that an average one gigawatt facility costs around $120 million to put up. That's kind of a greenfield and that's all the capital. So that'd be a combination of equity and debt. Uh, for one gigawatt in this country, depends on where we acquire the equipment, you know, because some equipment that we acquire, we need to pay the tariff. On the average, about 120 to $150 million for a one gigawatt capacity. And Jamie, just to give you a little bit more understanding about that, the, the Amprius technology, while there's a lot of different technologies in the battery, the, the, the main area where the company has the intellectual property is in the anode side uh, of the battery. And that is the silicon nanowire technology that we're talking about here today. And just to, to simplify this a bit, I, I know, you know, during, you know, you, you've had other conversations with other battery experts and when they talk about unrolling all the batteries that go inside of a vehicle that creates the surface area, the size of a football field. Okay. 
Well, if now all of a sudden you have that football field surface area and it's perfectly flat piece of paper, just imagine if that piece of paper has these microscopic silicon nanowires sticking out of it. They're only a couple microns wide, but hundreds of microns long. Now all of a sudden that surface area on that football field is maybe tenfold increase for the same weight and volume. It's pretty fascinating. Now all of a sudden you have a much more powerful, much more energy dense battery just by changing one component, one layer in that battery, which is just the anode. And as you probably know, the anode is only about 12 or 13% the cost of a battery. You have the cathode, you have the separator, you have the electrolyte, the plates on there, the collecting plates on it. So it's only about 12 or 13%. That's the piece that we're talking about here. And so when we talk about building a new plant here, all those other components are very well understood, and which is very important. We're, once again, there's a lot of automotive knowledge here, which is when you build a new, there's always a rule of thumb. You don't want to build a new car in a new plant with new technology, right? That's a recipe for disaster. With, you know, what, what Dr. Sun is doing is they've changed one element and they've tweaked some of the other ones, but really to build this battery is no different than you build any other lithium ion battery plant out there, which is very different than if, for say, you were talking to someone building a solid state battery plant. While those batteries may be the future, I'm not sure how far, far off in the future, no one has actually built one of those plants yet. So no one can tell you how to build them, what the cost is, what the timeline, it's a lot of variables. So we're taking this more as an incremental improvement. Yeah, I think that's adjusting. Uh, that's correct. For given energy, we are 50% thinner. So that's why this technology is a, is a unique position for electric mobility. You can see it doesn't matter if it's an airplane or electrical vehicle. So for the potential pivot to automotive, and given who many of the advisors are, it seems like that would be a, a key target. And obviously, it's a huge potential market. Would you see that going into, you know, powering vehicles, regular consumer passenger vehicles, like, you know, cars and pickups and crossovers? The reason we have not put the intensity in that field because we have limited capacity. However, you know, we have a lot of interactions with the United States Advanced Battery Consortium. Okay, through them, we have interaction with the GM. We also have some overseas engagement, Hyundai, Volvo. You know, we do have a conversation, but today uh, our battery format is small. Okay, mainly designed for aviation. I think two years late, uh, two years earlier, the U, uh, USABC told us we already met their 2025 performance goal. Okay, except the cost and the cycling. Okay, but our today our cycling is much improved. Okay, our cost will depends on the scale of our manufacturing facility. So, uh, about a few months ago, we received a second contract from the United States Advanced Battery Consortium to develop a low cost, high energy density EV batteries. We'll have more engagement once our uh, facility build up. Uh, as you can imagine, you know, uh, aviation battery has much higher requirement than the EV battery. In terms of safety, energy density, power density, charging time, all those kind of things. So I think our battery can serve EV market. We just need the capacity for it. Did you raise enough money from the offering to build your factory and fund operations until it, everything gets up and running, or do you need to? Will you need to raise more money? 
It's an interesting question because we are the very first closed SPAC transaction that actually followed all of the guidance provided by the SEC to allow our transaction to emulate a regular way IPO. And what does that mean? That means in a regular way IPO, there is no forecast information. You can't give guidance in terms of your business plan, what you're doing with your capital, things like that, um, which was a decision that the SEC suggested earlier this year. It's not gone into to law yet, but we decided to adopt it early just to, that's what the SEC wants to do. We figured, you know, we'll, we'll abide by that. So we went out into the market without any guidance. And so, you know, your question, I can't really answer that because we haven't provided that to anyone. Uh, but, you know, safe to say the company, we closed the deal. The company has a tremendous amount of capital and uh, the company is up and running, making production sales today, commercial sales today, having raised the capital that they've raised to date, which is much less than what we raised already. So this is fundamentally very different, once again, from other companies that are spending money on R&D and, you know, trying to develop a product. It's already been developed. Yeah, we are building the capacity per module. Uh, we have different capacity uh, module here. So uh, the money we raise the cer- certain cover of a phase one okay, development here. Because I, I was just saying, I thought you'd said you raised 80 million or so. And then you were saying, you know, to really get the factory up and going, the, the new uh, gigawatt factory would be, you know, 120 to 150. So I guess that was that was why I was asking. And I understand if you can't yeah. answer, but I just wanted to make sure I heard those numbers right. Yeah, just to connect the dots there, just in terms of the capital numbers, to build a facility is about, a, for one gigawatt, it's about 120 to 150 million. But that is all in. That's buying land, putting up a building. And as you know, you can project finance and debt finance a lot of that, which is what most people do anyway. So, you know, the company today, uh, we did raise about $86 million. Uh, the company has no debt. So, it and it runs a very lean operation. So, we feel you know very confident the, com- the company has sufficient capital. Yeah, in addition to that, uh, we have applied for DOE grants, also explore the loan possibility from the federal government. Okay, well, and like you said, uh, you've got yeah the work with uh, USABC, so a lot of things going on. All right, well, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to uh, learn about your company and interested in all the great uh, technology and, and breakthroughs that are actually industrializable. Great. Thanks a lot. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on battery technology, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Zipcar co-founder Robin Chase. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.